Watch Podcast. Hello there, and a very warm welcome to Hodge on Nodge. It's been a long time, but guess who's back? Tell a friend, it's Hodge. And I'm joined tonight by Jonathan Johnson, which is a controversial move in some ways, because this man is an Aston Villa fan. Controversial in these times. Um, but Jonathan Johnson is also a former pal of mine at Eurosport. We used to read the news together late at night about sort of Austrian ski jumping and stuff like that. And also one of the foremost authorities on French football. And I think after last night, every Norwich fan in the land is eager to learn more about Les Malou. Yes, Pierre Les Malou has entered proceedings, entered stage left, you might say, at Norwich City this summer. And I'm really excited about him. But I don't know all that much about him. So that's why I've got Jonathan Johnson here tonight. JJ, how are you doing, my man? Very well, thank you. And yourself, pleasure to be with you once again after such a long time. It has. It's been a while, mate. Uh, and hey, what? I yeah. loved the tingle at the beginning. Fantastic. Inspiring. Oh, aye. No, 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 mate. We, we've always got on. And that's why I thought it would, be, it would be a good idea to get you on. Because, I mean, obviously I've done my fair share of commentating European football and doing stuff like that, um, as many of these Norwich fans will know. Uh, still not as much fun as commentating at Carrow Road every Saturday and many Tuesdays and Wednesdays, but there we are. Uh, but yes, Norwich City back in the Premier League. It's obviously an, an exciting time for us all uh, as, as Norwich fans and just as a kind of outsider sort of looking in, what have you thought of Norwich in terms of what you've seen over the last few years? Um, and also, good evening, by the way, should I say to anyone that's watching on YouTube and watching on Twitter and the various other places. So say hi, make yourself known. And first thing I would ask you to do in the comments is let us know what you think of Pierre Les Malou from what you've seen so far. But yeah, uh, Jonathan, mate, what, what have you thought of Norwich for the outside looking in um, over these over these past sort of months and, and years under Daniel Farker? Obviously, Norwich have sort of developed this reputation a bit of being a, a yo-yo team. Uh, I know there's been a bit of banter between the, the Villa and Norwich fan base uh, after after we pinched Gwendia. Uh, you know, sort of joking that Norwich will only be up for the season. And then scoundrels, mate, scoundrels. And then, and then coming back up once again. No, but it's, um, you know, I think Norwich for me are a club who I, th uh, I really respect because, you know, it's a club that lives within its means, uh, you know, never sort of goes overboard with the, with the transfer dealings, uh, you know, basically makes the best uh, of what's available sort of financially. Uh, you know, unearth some very, very talented players. Uh, and, you know, obviously you've got clubs, uh, you know, with a bit of financial backing behind them, like Villa, like others, uh, you yep. know, who are looking at that squad, uh, you know, and potentially wanting to add members uh, members of the group, uh, you know, to their own ranks. Yes, I'm going to avoid the Todd Cantwell question for now because that's a depressing one. And I want this to be an upbeat podcast because I'm just happy to be back doing them. So, uh, Pierre Les Malou. Now, you're talking about Norwich City getting value. So, what people think of us as a club is they tend to think that we buy sort of young players with potential, sell them on. He's obviously a bit older than the kind of player that we normally target. He's 28. Um, he's, he's a midfielder that's got an attacking kind of nature and way about him. But what would you say standout qualities are that you've seen in his time at Dijon and then subsequently Nice? 
Well, what I always liked about him was he's quite uh, combative. In fact, he's very similar in, in the skill set to sort of a Morgan Sanson, who's obviously at Villa now and was at Marseille before, where they're capable of getting involved physically in the middle of the park. They have a good shot on them from distance, uh, you know, but they can also muck in as well, which is absolutely necessary if you're going to be a top uh, Premier League midfielder. So I think that's probably one of the the overriding uh, qualities for me. But, you know, I also think it was a smart move from Norwich as well, because you're looking at that Nice squad uh, and the transfers they're doing at the moment. And obviously it's very impressive. There's the new project coming in with Gertier. But he wasn't exactly a player who I would say was surplus to demands. I think he's definitely somebody that Gertier could have used in the squad. I just think that there was... Uh, a feeling, uh, you know, particularly on uh, on his side that, you know, he'd perhaps given as much as he could to the Nice cause, enjoyed a good few seasons there, uh, mm-hmm. and it was the right time to, to move on. Yeah, uh, I think it's always good when players kind of make those moves. And you kind of see it a wee bit now where, in, in the modern game, where players kind of plot out their moves incrementally through their career. Obviously, there's a few different dominoes might have to fall, and it could be one club or another club, but usually it's a club in a certain situation or stage of their career in a certain situation or stage in terms of their progression as well. So I would think that Amy Buendia is a good example of that. I think Villa will be lucky if they get three years out of Buendia before he's playing Champions League football for the rest of his days. And... That's because I think playing Champions League football with us. Well, there could there could be that, mate. And listen, um, due to sort of certain family ties and stuff, my cousin Stevie used to support Villa. Um, I mean, I, I'm probably flying in the face of a few Norwich fans here, but I actually like to see Villa do really well. I don't want you Nick and Todd Cantwell. I will say, like we we were keeping him this summer. Blooming hope so, but um, yeah, Buendia has obviously moved on. I think there's there's an acceptance with, with most Norwich fans that that's a kind of decent progression and stuff like that. But Les Malou, um, obviously we're talking about Wendy in that kind of context. Pierre Les Malou's never going to be a Champions League player. But it's almost like, do you think sort of going from Nice to, to Norwich is like a logical step up for him? Because obviously the Premier League, it's it's, it's a, a more competitive division in, in certain ways than, than the Liga and obviously more recognised as a, a stronger league in, in terms of its kind of totality. Now, with that in mind, do you think this is a really good move for him as he kind of just enjoys the peak of his career? Going to Norwich City, he's going to play regularly, he's going to be an important part of our armoury. I mean, do do you think it's the right move for him as well? I do think it's the right move for him. And the other thing that I would say is that I don't think too many Premier League clubs would have been paying attention to him based on what happened last season because Nice... Uh, you know, although they finished fairly strongly, they didn't actually enjoy their best campaign. They were pretty disastrous under Patrick Vieira, who's now rocked up at Crystal Palace. So, how's that happened, by the way? You must be looking at that and going, "What are they doing?" Yeah, I, put it this way, he wouldn't have been uh, top of my uh, shortlist. But then again, I, as I understand, he wasn't the only one interviewed for the post. Uh, there was Lucien Favre, who was a former Nice coach. Yeah, uh, you know who I rate highly. Obviously, I've just finished up with Borussia Dortmund, who I think would have been a very good appointment. Uh, but we'll see. We'll see. Well, we, we like people from Borussia Dortmund, by the way. We should say. Uh, so yeah, like um, if we could get a former sort of Borussia Dortmund one coach rather than Borussia Dortmund two, then that, I think that would be something that uh, Norwich fans would be excited about in future. But um, yeah, I, I was surprised with that move, uh, definitely, and and. I don't know. I actually think Palace, it's, it's one of those that's either going to work or totally burn out. And then they could be in the situation they were when they had Frank De Boer, where 
it's like, yeah, you've got to get rid of him in time or you're going down. I can see them sort of being battling at the bottom under him. And I'm hoping that that's going to prove right. Just on the face of it, you look at Norwich's squad for the outside. Do you think we can stay up just quickly? I mean, I think it's very difficult to predict the actual relegation candidates uh, this coming season. I think whenever you're a newly promoted side coming up into the league, you're always going to be one of those who are sort of in the reckoning, uh, you know, for potentially going down. But then again, you know, with the fact that the Norwich squad hasn't overgone, you know, a massive facelift over the last couple of years, there are still quite a few members of the squad who have Premier League experience. And I think that accumulated experience is really going to serve Norwich well coming into this season uh, and the battle to stay up. I mean, I'm not going to stick my neck out and say, uh, you know, Norwich will finish, you know, safely ensconced in mid-table or something like that. But, uh, you know, I do definitely think that there's the experience and the ability to, to, to be able to stay up, especially if you keep hold of someone like Cantwell. Yeah, I, I think Cantwell is going to be very important from a creative standpoint. And a lot of fans. Now, if anyone was there that's, that's watching this, please let me know and, and let me know what you thought, what your, your thoughts were on the match. Norwich City thumped Gillingham by five goals to nil last night. I know I say that less an achievement. We should really be thumping a team like Gillingham. But it's nice to see that the players, I mean, I wasn't at the game. I only saw the sort of highlights of it. But sort of reading between the lines a wee bit. What I can sense is players excited to play in front of fans at Carroll Road again. I can sense a real belief in the team that the the sort of new system that we're we're deploying and and some of the new pieces that we've added to the squad are really gelling well. And there seems to be a hunger and an appetite there. And maybe some of the players that were already at the club but hadn't really done a massive amount. I'm thinking of your your Kieran Dills, maybe. Um, Giannoulis was good and solid, but seems to be really stepping up to all intents and purposes. There's a lot there to be excited about as a Norwich fan. But the reason I've done this tonight about Pierre-Les Malou is he came out a left field for me. He was a totally different type of of identity of player for us to recruit, number one. Um, definitely getting a bit of experience in there I think is good I think having hunger someone that's eager to prove themselves in a new league and a new situation I think that's really good but I think what surprised people uh, and, and me included to be honest because obviously I hadn't seen all that much of the guy was just how quickly number one he's adapted and two even though he's got that sort of tenacity that you spoke of that's a classy player right there. That's a player that knows who he is, knows what he is, knows how to deploy his abilities in the best possible way. And a really important thing for me is you mentioned his quality when it comes to shooting from range. That, for me, is is a massive thing that Norwich City need a bit more of. And the, the dynamic between him and Billy Gilmer in the middle of the park seemed to be seemed to be really positive. So, I mean, he's obviously playing next to Billy Gilmer, who's a, a technically gifted individual in there. Do you think he'll be able to step up his level if, if Norwich City do manage to step up and, and be really competitive at Premier League level this season? Do you see him being a big part of that with the abilities that he does have? Yeah, I don't see why not. I mean, like I, like I said earlier, I drew like the parallels between him and Sanson. Uh, and I think the big difference is we, ha yeah, we haven't really seen much from Sanson at all in the Premier League with Villa yet because there was such a big uh, gulf between him and the rest of the squad in terms of fitness. Uh, mm -hmm. You know, I think we'll see a better Sanson this coming season. Uh, and I think it really 
uh, you know, will benefit Norwich here in the fact that Les Melu is is somebody who is, you know, building up his fitness at the same time as the rest of the squad, uh, you know, and is therefore getting to blend in. Uh, with them, it helps that it's, uh, you know, a new central midfield pairing, like you mentioned. Uh, you know, Gilmore is somebody who I think will be highly motivated after getting a taste uh, of, uh, you know, the, the Euros this summer, you know, wanting to play at, a, at the highest level possible because you rarely get look-ins look at a club like Chelsea. So, you know, I think that there's definitely potential for this, uh, you know, this midfield to really come on leaps and bounds because, like you said, he's not the oldest player, Les Melu, uh, and to have somebody young uh, next to him and relatively inexperienced like Gilmore, but also extremely talented, you know, there's the potential for that partnership to, to blossom. Uh, you know, and I think as well with Les Melu, he's somebody who, you know, could quite easily have gone to a number um, of different Premier League clubs, but it was going to be the club that sort of looked into him the most, researched him the best. Uh, you know, and decided that they could make a move for him uh, once he became available. Because like I said, so much at Nice depended on Christophe Galtier and he came in relatively late uh, after Nice struck the deal with Lille. So, you know, he would have only been available for a relatively short space of time, uh, you know, with, with Galtier sort of communicating to Nice the players that he thought that he could work with and, and maybe couldn't. Uh, you know, and I, th I do think that he would have gladly kept Les Melu. Uh, but I think it was the right time for the player to make the change. Uh, and like you said, he seems to be motivated, uh, you know, and I think there's so many players in Ligue 1 who, you know, have this desire to play in the Premier League at some point. You know, it's, it's really widely watched across France uh, and it's, it's something that the majority of the players aspire to, to trying at least once in their career. You know, so, so to have somebody who's not even turned 30 yet, uh, you know, making the move to the Premier League, I definitely think, uh, you know, he's going to be there to impress. Uh, and he's someone whose game, you know, could definitely be raised if, you know, the whole collective effort uh, is, uh, you know, is, is going quite well, as as it could do with, uh, with Norwich. Because like I said, it is a squad that has experience of trying to stay up in the Premier League. And if that is the sort of the minimum aim and the, the you know, the, the, the target that's sort of first and foremost in everyone's minds, you know, if they can get a bit of advance on that, uh, you know, then there's there's no real telling exactly how far uh, somebody like Les Malou can go with Norwich. That, that, that's good to hear. Um, I know a lot of people are watching on Twitter tonight. If you are watching, then please retweet um, our my, my tweet that I put up, letting people know this is live, so that more people can watch the video. That would be nice. And also, I know it's weird on Twitter where you can't see your comments, but if you comment in the video, I will see it, and there's a chance I can read it out. And I'm going to come to some of the comments we've we've, we've got on YouTube already in a minute. Um, interesting what you're saying there. So what I'm kind of thinking is, in terms of the fit. Right, so we've spoken a bit about Billy Gilmore. What kind of players, uh, Lucas Roop also last night, obviously was, was was really good for Norwich, and I've got a feeling this could be his best season for us. But uh, just when you think of, of sort of Les Malou's, the, the kind of midfields he's been a part of so far in his career, what has he shown you in terms of his ability to work within that team structure? What different roles has he fulfilled? Is there any partners he's been particularly strong with, and what were they like? Um, and then just as a kind of supplement to that, Billy Gilmore, you mentioned how young he is. Um, what do you think he'll be like as a kind of leader, nurturing sort of a young player like that on? I think obviously so much will depend on his ability to, you know, to, to get a grasp of, uh, you know, the English language enough to sort of communicate with his, uh, with, with, with his teammates. 
Um, but also I'd say some of the maybe more recent Nice midfields that he's been a part of have not necessarily been the best example to, to sort of compare with because it was a very inconsistent Nice side uh, the last season or so. You know, you had Schnedland coming in back from the Premier League who, you know, never really sort of found uh, himself a foothold. So, you know, I think that he's he, he's somebody who is, is almost in, in need, really, uh, of, of that consistency. I definitely think that he has leadership potential uh, and, and is going to be a good example for someone like uh, Gilmore. You know, I'm also keen to see how he might be able to link up with somebody like uh, Rashika as well, because he is somebody who likes the ball, uh, you know, played into his feet and is able to sort of link up with some of the more attacking players as well. Uh, you know, and I think Rashika given that he was someone who was heavily linked with Villa for a long long time last summer. Uh, I'm keen to see how he does in the Premier League. And I think that, you know, guys like Les Melou and, and Rashika coming in could play a big role in uh, in Norwich potentially staying up. So I'd definitely be looking at sort of the chemistry between uh, those sorts of guys. And, you know, obviously as well, if Cantwell stays, sort of how well uh, all three of them can, can combine, because that is... You know, a good amount of quality for uh, a side that's supposed to be battling against relegation. So this is interesting that you're saying that because I think, well, I mean, don't get me wrong, Twitter's a blooming echo chamber. Part of the reason this podcast stopped for so long was because I just needed off that app for a bit um, to, to recalibrate, let's say. But if you go on social media, then you can see a lot of Norwich fans who are saying like, yeah, do you know what? We've not done enough business. We've not done enough this or that. Um you're obviously looking at it and you, you've not got your heart's not gonna colour your your head's judgment in any way, you know. Like you, you can look at it very impartially from that perspective. You look at our squad and you, you see some quality there, is what you're saying. Yeah, I mean, I don't, I, I don't necessarily think it's a finished article. I mean, if the transfer no, I agree. tomorrow, uh, I, I'd say that there was probably one or two areas that could have still been improved. And obviously, a lot is going to is going to hinge uh, on whether. Uh, you know, guys like um, Cantwell or Max Ahrens perhaps move on, uh, you know, because obviously they could bring in big funds, but also they're going to leave big holes in the in the, in the the squad as well. So, I, I mean, I, I look at it and I don't think that, I mean, okay, you know, you could perhaps add a little bit more quality, but you've got some key experience in certain areas, you know, someone like Tim Krull, uh, you've got Pookie as well, uh, you know, and then adding quality like Rashika, uh, like Gilmore, like Les Melu, uh, you know, I do. I, I think it is uh, it is quite promising. I mean, like I said, it's very difficult to predict immediately right now whether whether Norwich are going to be able to avoid the drop with this group of players. But I definitely think it's a positive start to the transfer window. And if uh, you know a, a bit more smart business can be done between now and the end of the window, then I don't see why not. I mean, I definitely think you know some of those additions this summer. Uh, obviously, you know, tempered with the with the fact that Buendia out uh, is you know a major slice of quality out of the squad. Oh I yeah, think that that's a good a good amount of ability that's been brought in so far. Yeah, and I think that's. I mean, I've said this in various platforms. Norwich City fans, quite rightly, you panic when your best player is sold, but when Madison was sold, we got better. Um, and there's been various examples since where our best player has been sold, and then the team's got better. And I think the the change in, in terms of the style that we're playing this season, I'm I'm really keen on because I just think playing the the four two three one, you need to be a really really good team to make that work in the Premier League. Uh, but there seems to be in terms of the 
identity of the midfield as a whole. Um, and I, I showed David Berman's comment there. Phoebe Langdale says the midfield of Gilmer, Les Maru, Rupp and Campwell, uh, or Rupp, if you want to do the German properly, were, were all superb last night and all accommodated each other well, picking passes out of nothing and then dropping deep to pick the ball up. What's Les Malou's best ability, do you think? What would you pick out if you were to say, this is what he's really good at? I mean, I'd definitely go with his tenacity. I mean, like I said, I, I also like, maybe I'd say his, uh, his, his instinct because he tends to know when to, he tends to know when to get himself involved, mm-hmm. when to you know take a snapshot at goal. You know, he's quite a, an all-action player, and I think you need to be able to make the decision about what you're going to do in a, you know in an instant. Uh, and he has that uh, ability. He doesn't overthink things. I think that's probably what I'd say is his his best quality. That's good. I like that the idea that he's very very sort of instinctual and. It's kind of exactly what we need next to the flamboyant passing of Billy Gilmore and maybe a bit more industry from, say, a Jacob Lundy Sorensen or a Lucas Root. That sounds really good to me. Um, would you, if you if you were to say, sort of definitely a more attacking-minded midfielder, you, you would never play him as a screener or anything like that? Because I, I did ask sort of earlier and we kind of moved on from it. Like, what, what kind of different roles do you think he can fill? Or do you think he's 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 the kind of player that he is and that's it? You know what I mean? If you've got Zinedine Zidane in your team, and there were some comparisons on social media, I'm hoping they were jokes. But um, if you've got Zinedine Zidane in your team, you, you don't tell him to sort of sit in front of the back four. You know what I mean? You let him be Zinedine Zidane. Not saying Les Malou is that. But is he a player that you can say, look, do this job you're not comfortable with? I mentioned Sorensen. Sorensen last season had his best games as a left back. He'd never played left back before in his career. So he's an example of someone that you can slot into different roles. Is Les Malou like that? Or is he a kind of player that that's just him? That's how he plays and and whatever. There is a certain amount of versatility to him. I wouldn't um, sort of anchor him in front of the defence. I think that, you know, does him a disservice. But also at the same time, I wouldn't expect him to sort of, you know, almost play as like a, a second striker or something like that. You know, he does have the, the potential to score goals and he can get himself uh, involved physically in the middle of the park as well. And I think that that way, you know, it, playing him in the in the centre of midfield is is absolutely perfect because that way you can get the best of both worlds. I don't think it's a good idea to to sort of ask him necessarily to commit himself too much to the defence or to the attack. I think he's, you know, perfect sort of just in the middle there, sort of, you know, going pretty much from uh, from, from box to box. Good. No, that, that's nice to know. And... I think any other Norwich fans want to get in touch in the comments and let us know sort of what they think. If you've got any questions for me and Jonathan as well, please get them in. Uh, but end of this, get any thoughts on, on what they've liked about Les Malou, what they think his he's best ability is. Um, so the thing that stood out for me so far with him, uh, and that's having watched him less than you, and now that you see some of these things, it kind of makes sense. Um, he seems to be someone that makes the right decisions without being too safe which I think is, I mean, you get that with a lot of experienced players, but I, th- I think that's quite important. I think the experience itself, um, as you kind of alluded to, is pretty important. But the thing that stood out for me is he's a threat outside the box. Like, he's not going to cut the defence to ribbons with a pass like Buendia or Billy Gilmer, who offers a bit of that as well, as we saw with that beautiful slide roll ball he played um, for the ball that was was, was kind of kicked across the box thereafter for a goal. I think it was the third one. Uh 
Billy Gilmore's sort of filling that bit of the Buendia thing. Les Malou's filling maybe a bit. Of, so what we've done is we've taken all the abilities that one player had and we've got various different players who can do bits of the different things. You've got the tenacity with Les Malou and outside the box shooting. That's the thing that I've looked at and I'm like, we need a bit of this in our lives. You know, we, we want a guy that can do this kind of thing. <laughs> Is that something that he, he showed a lot of in France? Like, was, was he on sort of goal of the month compilations a lot? Um, is there any good YouTube videos you could suggest that people go and watch after this podcast with, with, with sort of loads of his goals in it? I mean, is that something that he showed a lot of, would you say? I mean, I wouldn't, uh, you know, try and get people's hopes up too much and say that he was, you know, a prolific player. But, you know, he did score a fair amount of goals in his, in his time, and that's, it goes back to the point I was trying to make earlier where, you know, I wouldn't try to anchor him sort of in and around that defensive midfield area because it lessens his ability to be able to contribute in that sort of way. Uh, you know, I think when he's sort of able to be in the middle of the park and then getting forward, joining the attack, uh, you know, and, and also sort of probing in and around outside the area, you know, the chances of him, you know, launching a, a pretty accurate shot from distance are quite high. Uh, you know, and I think that can also really help a team uh, that's fighting against relegation or at least will start the season fighting against relegation because it can be a useful source of goals. Uh, I mean, I get what you're saying as well about sort of trying to replace Buendia with um, a couple of different players who have similar characteristics. It's kind of what Villa are going to try to do with without Jack Grealish, you know, bringing in Buendia to, to, to fill in part of his game, but then also bringing in Leon Bailey to, to fill in another part of it. Uh, and I think that with Les Melou, uh, you know, you can definitely expect him to score some very tidy finishes uh, when he does find the back of the net. Uh, I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm not going to risk it too much by saying that he's going to get you on goal of the month uh, oh month. go on risk it for a basket mate <laughs> he's, he's good for a, he's good for a couple of uh, a very nice very clean uh, finishes each season as long as he's given sort of that license uh, you know to, to have a crack every now and then yeah, no, I think that's fair enough. I'm just looking up some stats from him there. So, um, and I'm just gonna I'm gonna pick out his league and stats specifically because I think that's um, it's a bigger sample size and it's not distorting any sort of random Coupe de France cup games or anything like that. Um, so we've got Liga. He's played 151 games in his career. He's got 23 goals and 18 assists. So that averages out at a goal every 526 minutes. Um, so one in six-ish, um, my quick maths says, that's a decent return. If he can keep that up in England, then that's that's going to be a valuable goals contribution this season. And, and the assists, and it does seem like he, he kind of seems to be fitting in, both in terms of his character, and I know sort of from having speaking speaking from having spoken easy for me to say to Stuart Webber myself I know that that's the first thing that Norwich City look for when they look for a signing is they look at a man's character and they say is he going to fit in with this group or is he going to distort the chemistry that we've got in the dressing room and a sort of factor in that is after Project Restart and the, the kind of capitulation that saw us fall out of the Premier League the last time, we were able to go back into the Championship and because that dressing room wasn't fractured or, or lacking in confidence, we went and we blitzed the Championship again and it was a, a sort of really, really quick, long, arduous season of Championship football. So, aye, I think that's a massive thing in, in terms of the identity of our squad and 
I think he does seem to have fitted in in terms of his character, but not just that. He seems to have fitted in in terms of the way that we play football. And I think there's a lot to be excited about, to be honest with you. Um, in, in terms of the reaction in France to the transfer, obviously there's there's bigger moves being made across Europe and, and France itself. But um, I'm sure it didn't go entirely under the radar. Was, was there any kind of reaction in terms of what, sort of where he's gone, how much for? Um, because to me, if he plays the way that he looks to have started and, and carries on that momentum, the fee that we've paid, I think, is rising to five million add-ons. Looks an absolute steal, does it not? Yeah, I mean, it is a it is a good value move, but also, I mean, I would say. Yeah, perhaps some eyebrows were raised about the destination given that Norwich have just come back up to the Premier League. But also at the same time, uh, you know, I think there was a recognition that the Premier League is a good fit for him and that it would have been difficult for him to sell himself to too many more established Premier League clubs, uh, you know, who have perhaps spent last season in the Premier League based on how inconsistent Nice were uh, in his final season there. Uh, you know, I think that there, you know, there is definitely... Um, uh, a recognition that uh, Lille were going to do a lot of business this summer, so there were going to be some casualties. Uh, so I don't think people were too surprised, uh, you know, when players started moving on uh, and, and Les Melou being one of them, you know, was just sort of part of, of what was going to come next with uh, with Galtier. But <clears throat> that doesn't mean that people didn't think that he was good enough for Nice, uh, you know, or for a project that's now going to try and, uh, you know, establish itself at the top end of, of French footballing and get regular Champions League qualification because he's somebody who had served the club well over the years, like you said. Uh, you know, he's got a good character and he's fit in well with the squad. He's somebody who never made waves uh, in France. You know, he doesn't really court controversy uh, that much. So you know, it, seems like, it seems like a good fit. Yeah, that's great. That's great to know me. Um, just given that you're a Villa fan, David Burman's come back in with another line. He's said uh, that he hopes Cantwell won't go. Um, if Villa sign Cantwell, they should change the club name to Aston Norwich. Um, I'm all behind that. Do you sort of, I mean, just looking at it, kind of, and I'm taking it maybe a wee bit away from sort of Les Malou now. Do, do you think there is, do you think there's something there at Norwich City this season that can upset the apple cart for a few teams? Yeah, I don't see why not. I mean, like I said, I think the experience in certain areas is is definitely going to count for a lot. Uh, you know, especially when you've got somebody who's a proven goal scorer like Pookie, who, despite the fact that the Norwich have found themselves outgunned in the Premier League in the past, he's still found the back of the net. That's always mm. very, very important. And I think, you know, if somebody like Rashika uh, can find the sort of form that attracted Premier League interest before Werder Bremen really struggled and went down in, in the Bundesliga, uh, you know, I think him, coupled with the likes of Les Melou, Gilmore, uh, you know, keeping counts well as well, you know, I definitely think there's the potential there for, for, for Norwich to get some uh, unexpected points uh, and, you know, definitely fight for sort of a, a place between mid-table uh, and the relegation zone. You know, I think that would be a realistic aim uh, at, at, the, at the start of the season, a decent bit of ambition to show. Uh, and, you know, who knows if uh, if Norwich can get off to a fast start to the season. You know, anything... Wait, can... I don't think we will. I don't know. Go and have a look at our opening five fixtures, mate, and then you'll see why. Um, I think I think we'll do well. I was trying to be polite. <laughs> no, no, no. Listen, I think if, if we can get through that five fixtures with anything approaching five points, then, I mean, basically the season kind of starts for there, and then we're like, right, so let's, let's have a bit of this. But um, no, it's, it's nice to hear you say that, mate. And I think... It's kind of easier. I think I think the scars of the last Premier League relegation are still 
very much near the near the front of people's minds and and sort of coming now after the joy of the sort of championship campaign. I think people are beginning to flap a wee bit and worry again. But I, I always think it's nice to get an outside perspective on that because most of the people that aren't Norwich fans that I speak to are like, yeah, you are slowly sort of building something quite decent there. Um, and obviously the big worry for, for everyone is, is how we replace Buendia, but I think having these various different sort of players who can do different parts of that, and also losing Buendia maybe allows us a wee bit more to change that system, although he will play in a system similar to what uh, we are looking to be playing this season at Villa. So that's going to interest me as well to see how he how he fits in at Villa. Now, I'm aware that you need to pop off, my friend. Um, so I've got a question for everyone that's watching this. Um, if I do a Twitter spaces after this is my sort of uh, canary call type equivalent, um, let me know in the comments. Just write yes or no if that's something that you would potentially be interested in me hosting a Twitter spaces where you can come on and we talk Norwich City for a wee bit longer. Also, um, I'm going to announce this on social media after this, but uh, we've got another Behind Enemy Lines tomorrow with me and Benjamin Bloom, so make sure and tune into that at 7 o'clock as well. But thank you to yourself, Jonathan. Mate, it's good to catch up. I wish we hadn't had those technical problems at the start and then we could have caught up for a wee bit longer before I, I jumped on. But um, where can people find you, mate? Because... This is a guy, um, as I'm sort of making these podcasts in, in this spare room that I've got, this is a guy that's covering Champions League on the regular. So where can people find your stuff, Matt? Thanks a lot. Well, uh, you can find me on Twitter. That's probably the best place to get all of my work. So you can find me at, uh, at J-O-N underscore Lego Sip. Uh, and obviously Champions League, when it, when it restarts, we'll be covering that on CBS. But you can find me wittering on about French football, uh, and general football across Europe. We've got Serie A coming up this season uh, on CBS as well. So very exciting times. And uh, just one last thing that I would add, uh, I guess, mm -hmm. about the, the Norwich situation is that I think sometimes people are very fearful uh, of difficult starts to the season like that. But I think if there was ever a season where you wanted to get the big matches out of the way early, it's definitely this season when you're coming off the back of a Euro. Uh, you know, there's some players who have even gone as far afield as uh, South America for Copper America. You know, it's going to take some of the bigger teams that bit longer to sort of hit their stride. And that's when, uh, you know, some of the smaller teams can perhaps best profit and, you know, pick up unexpected points. So, you know, I, I, it wouldn't surprise me to see Norwich doing better than many people think in the opening matches when you consider how many of those uh, those big teams they're coming up against won't have their squads back in, in their best shape for probably four to six weeks at the beginning of the season, given that some players are only just reporting for pre-season training now. So, you know, I definitely think it's, it shouldn't be all doom and gloom uh, around Carroll Road. No, and I'm definitely not doom and gloom about it, mate. It's good to be back in the Premier League. And more importantly, just for football purposes, it's just good to have fans back in the ground. See, hearing the crackle at Carroll Road once again, I must admit, I was like, ah, yes. You know what I mean? When I was watching those highlights today. And honestly, it kind of come quick enough for me to get back there and experience it myself. Actually, ironically, this weekend, mate, I'm going to Villa Park to watch Aston Villa against Sevilla or Sevilla. Um, and uh, yeah, Aston Villa playing Sevilla in a pre-season friendly and I'm I'm going to be there. So I'll make sure and let you know, I think, uh, any of uh, 
any of the summer business and any of the signings that I see. Uh, any questions you want me to ask anyone there on, on your behalf? Um, <laughs> when, when are we signing Cantwell, maybe? Yeah, when, when, when's Greenish coming back? How old is he going to be? <laughs> <laughs> I know. I, th- I think you might actually do that. Well, then again, I hope he's not been on Twitter because uh, some of the reaction for the Villa fans just ridiculous on that. Um, I suppose we've got to do a tiny wee bit on Todd before I let you go. I mean, you got our best player. We're, how excited would you be about the potentiality of, of Todd Cantwell arriving? Oh, obviously it would be very exciting uh, and it would add to you know what's already a, a very talented squad now. But I have to be honest, I, I can't see us um, you know, going back in uh, and signing a, a second Norwich player. Not really anything to do with the fact that it's uh, you know uh, Todd Campbell and he's coming from Norwich. It's the fact that Villa's transfer reaction to 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 selling Greedish seems to be uh, you know one where they're going to put out a few names and then move for somebody else. You know, nobody expected Danny Ings to go through. You know, yeah. I've confirmed that this evening. Uh, you know, we wait to have it confirmed, you know, how much Villa have signed in for. But it seems like they like to keep things secretive, uh, keep their cards close to their chest. And if moves are, you know, coming together that quickly, then obviously the groundwork has been laid weeks in advance. So I think if Campwell was actually going to be coming to Villa, you know, there'd probably be some inkling of that now. Well, we, 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 we have sort of heard the rumour. Um, but you reckon that this might just be a red herring anyway and Villa might go in another direction? Because I think that'll be music to the ears and to the eyes of anyone that's watching right now. Well, I mean, it's it's going to be interesting to see where Dean Smith thinks that he really needs to improve the squad based on the fact that it sounds like Twanzebe is coming back uh, on loan. Ings is now in and then, you know, you've just got to somehow find uh, a talent, you know, who could sort of fit in in the, in the midfield or attacking areas. Uh, you know, who is not going to cost an arm and a leg now that everybody knows how much Villa have to spend uh, because of the Greedish sale. Yeah, shout out to Lee Pitts for the comment he put up a few moments ago where he said, if Greedish is worth 100 million, I'm worth 20 million. And I agree with you and um, David Berman, mate, that football, the, the money's just going through the roof and it's been ruined a wee bit. Jonathan, thank you very much for joining us, mate. It's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you as well to my loyal Hodge on Hodge Watch and listeners that just cast live um, or whether you're listening to the subsequent Hodge on Nodge podcast that I fired on the audio channels. Thank you very much. I'll be back, as I said, with Behind Enemy Lines next week. If you are a newcomer to the Hodge on Nodge glitz and glamour then uh, of random light bulbs in the background that really I need to get something that's a bit more in, in tone with what I'm doing than that. But anyway, um, yeah, if you're if you're a newcomer to the Hodge on Nodge stuff, then you can find me on all the social medias. It's Hodgey the Hack, H-O-D-G-E-Y, the Hack, all one word. So that's YouTube, Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. But all that remains for me is to thank Jonathan on my left here for his time. Thank you, Jonathan. It's been uh, a absolute pleasure. Thanks a lot for having me back on. It's uh feels like it's been uh decades since we were doing Belgian football commentaries together. Yes, mate, it's been too long. It has been too long. And if I'm back over in, in Paris, then of course we'll go for a croque monsieur, no problem. And also, I need to thank absolutely everyone that has watched and been patient with me as I've managed to just recalibrate and refuel for the season. As you can see, I'm back to my very best. We're in a hoodie when it's far too warm for one. So thank you very much. Cheers, Jonathan. And I will see you all tomorrow if you watch live at 7pm on The Ball City.